This is Southern Arch Heretic, Shifting the Burden, Arguing the Elements. We continue to address each element and the proof presented. I'm Kit Rogers, and I have some questions. Welcome back to my Shifting the Burden series, where the proof for the existence of God is placed into a criminal trial setting, and the burden is on the believer to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. The non-believer is presumed correct in our exercise. How does the evidence hold up? Let's explore it. In the last episode, we addressed the first element needed to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt by the believers. Seven more. Let's keep going. Element 2. God Created Human Beings Unlike the first element, I don't see the need to go through each argument and explain how it doesn't apply to God's relationship to human beings. The truth is, if you think that enough evidence has been presented to prove that God created the universe, then arguing about whether He created us is moot. It's the same arguments. Only the underlying theme must be that ultimately, we human beings are the reason the universe exists. Jesus died for our sins. We were created in God's image. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is the Word, Logos, and existed before the universe. We've already discussed this craziness. I'm not going to dignify it with further comment. I'd like to address an issue that seems to come up when the intelligent design argument is made regarding human beings. It's the assertion that there's no acceptable evolutionary explanation for human beings longing or desire for God or religion. Clearly, the belief in gods and supernatural explanations crosses all cultural and geographical divides. However, Just which God or gods an individual is likely to believe in is purely an accident of birth location. A modern human born in Karachi, Pakistan, more than likely will believe in and worship Allah as a Muslim. The same individual born in Jackson, Mississippi, more than likely would believe in and worship Jesus as a Christian. An individual born in Bangalore, India, is likely to believe in many gods as a Hindu. How is this particular human desire or human development explained in evolutionary terms? This presumed conundrum is intended to stump the non-believer. Because how do you find an evolutionary purpose, an aid to the survival of the species in something as ridiculous as a smooth-talking serpent, and a demigod messiah from a backwater village in the middle of the shitville Roman Empire that was captured and executed, but is somehow the hero. I know that I'm not alone in pondering this question and hypothesizing about it, but a thought occurred to me recently. I hope to research this a little bit more, search out the others that have explored this hypothesis and expound upon it in the future. What if we have evolved a biological and innate desire for esoteric information? 
secret knowledge. My thought is that early humans living mostly in familial groups would depend upon the knowledge passed down by the most experienced. This knowledge would inevitably help one group either defeat or incorporate another group because of the knowledge's superiority in some way or another. For instance, one group has fire and another does not. The power to harness fire and, more importantly, start one from scratch would most likely appear like magic to the uninitiated. In early Indian cultures, for example, fire, or Agni, was considered a god. We can only assume that prehistoric humans viewed it with even more reverence and awe. The individual that possessed this knowledge possessed something very valuable. The passing of this secret knowledge to individuals that were initiated into the fold, probably family at first, could easily be understood as, or at least presented as, the passing of revealed knowledge from a higher source. From the perspective of the others in the group, how else could that individual have the knowledge? Science didn't exist yet. The concept of human discovery and learning through experimentation, although clearly present in early forms of our species, probably wasn't recognized as that, but as esoteric revelation. Once again, those that possessed that secret knowledge also held the power of that knowledge. History tells us that those with power tend to want to hold on to it, and that the general population usually willingly relinquishes power to them based on some extraordinary claim combined with the threat of deadly force. Need I say more? It reminds me of the stories and parables in the New Testament where Jesus, after sharing the lesson, instructed his disciples to tell no one. There is an undeniable attraction to esoteric knowledge. It is power. Religion and faith in God are just the development of and selective sharing of secret knowledge. Priests and preachers claim special privilege to revelation and interpretation of the infallible word of God himself. Wow. Just wow. What chutzpah. If you aren't in on the secret, you're expected to just trust the powerful individuals that are. They'll keep you safe. Just like when we lived in caves. God actively participates in the functioning of our universe. The active micromanaging God is the most interesting element to me. To suggest that there is some invisible peeping Jehovah watching my every move and listening to my every conversation and reading my every thought, just like Santa Claus or Mark Zuckerberg, 
in my estimation, requires balls that would qualify as objectively large and magnificent. We're talking an American Brahmin bull-style golden scrotum, trimmed and smelling of rose petals, and a virile but tantalizing musk. A celestial voyeur that is judging my every thought and move is just creepy. Why would anyone want that? I guess the evidence of this would be in the miracles and in the testimonials of individuals who claim the ability to feel the presence of God, or Jesus, or saints, or dead relatives, or Elvis. I can't express how little credibility an individual that claims to hear voices that I don't hear has with me. I may be aging, and my hearing may be damaged from loud music over the years, but I'm not deaf yet. And just as I stated in the prior episode discussing this matter, I can think of no situation where an individual that claims that another entity is communicating with them and guiding their decisions wouldn't be considered unstable and possibly dangerous. Unless, of course, that individual claims it was Jesus or God or Yahweh or Allah. If it was any of those guys we're not allowed to presume psychosis. It's just faith in some dangerous nonsense. And for some reason, we give it a pass. A mother of three children, two boys and one girl, was found in her backyard, on her knees, face down prostrate on the concrete, surrounded by candles. There was a large crucifix with a realistic sculpted bloody savior nailed to the privacy fence. The shadow of Jesus' hanging head was thrown large and distorted on the frosted top of an outdoor table. The table was set with a glass of red wine and several vials of scented oil neatly arranged on a cotton handkerchief bearing a hand-embroidered golden cross. Directly behind the procumbent woman, her toes just hanging over the edge and still dipping into the warm water, was the family's hot tub. In that hot tub were her three children, all wearing white and floating face down in the water. When aroused from what seemed to be a trance, the woman explained calmly that Jesus instructed her to baptize her babies in the warm, bubbling waters of his emissary, St. John the Baptist, and to continue baptizing them until they joined him in heaven. She seemed at peace and couldn't understand why she was being handcuffed and taken to jail. If you were to read this story in tomorrow's news, would you believe that Jesus spoke to her? And if not, why not? The Lord moves in mysterious ways. 
We aren't capable of understanding the plan of such an almighty higher power. I mean, to be omnipotent and omniscient? Wow. That's quite a feat. By that I mean it's literally impossible. If God already knows what is going to happen, i.e. omniscient, then the future is predetermined and he is powerless to change it, which means he is not all-powerful, i.e. omnipotent. If he is omnipotent and can manipulate what will occur, then he can't be omniscient unless he knew he was going to make that manipulation, in which case it would have already been predetermined and wasn't really a manipulation. So which is he? Omnipotent or omniscient? If the answer is that it's a mystery, I may fucking lose it. If a person claiming to know a truth replies to any argument with, it's a mystery beyond our mortal comprehension, then you aren't really arguing. Some folks can accept anything on faith. It's easier than learning the dirty truth of reality. But if you skip out on what's difficult or messy or ugly, you also miss out on what's exquisite and awe-inspiring and beautiful about this life of ours. Don't let some anecdote about God's or Jesus' intercession in an individual's life, even if that individual is a person you love and respect, persuade you of anything without further inquiry. Remember, inquiry was one of the first human acts. Consider the first human request for details from God. God's response was to severely punish Adam and Eve by making them mortal. That's pretty harsh. In the Genesis case, the elements of first-degree murder are met easily against God. He intentionally and with premeditation caused the deaths of Adam and Eve. It's the world's first double homicide. All Adam and Eve really discovered was that they were naked and exposed and maybe should think about protecting themselves. How dare they? Maybe you've heard the devil is in the details. Mm, I don't believe in the devil either. Please, Jesus, provide me with some freaking details. Maybe the fine-tuning prong of the teleological argument addresses God's active participation in the functioning of the universe. I assume we are past the childish tropes of God causes the sun to rise and the sun to set, etc., as legitimate arguments for his constant and total control, you know, because he's got a plan and stuff. It's a mystery. What do you expect? If God is still fiddling with the knobs, maybe he 
can reach for the one that keeps lighting our west coast on fire and drowning our east coast. I just thought maybe offering up a little prayer slash wish slash suggestion might grease the wheels. It's like a prayer chain. If you listen to this podcast and you pass it on so that five more people listen to this podcast, our prayer to douse the annual blaze on the United States West Coast will be answered. Or it won't. Miracles would be pretty good evidence of God's ability to manipulate our reality. Miracles, to me, are suspensions of the natural order, a halting of biological processes, or extraordinary anomalous phenomena. What is our proof of miracles? We can't rely on the accuracy or truth of anything in the Bible. I must believe that if a true miracle, as in magic witnessed and possibly recorded, was proven to any reasonable group of skeptics, we'd hear about it. It wouldn't be just rumors and first-hand experiences of individuals with no truly independent corroboration. For Christ's sakes, we have cameras going non-stop these days. Honestly, it takes a special kind of vigilance just to avoid being on camera. Where is all the proof of God's miracles? I know once again I may be beating that proverbial dead equine, but why is God so damn secretive? If our loving and all-powerful God wants us to succeed in joining Him in everlasting life, why doesn't He reveal Himself? I mean to folks like me, the ones who aren't willing to accept extraordinary claims without extraordinary evidence. It's like He wants us to fail. What a dick. Why would you worship someone like that? Element 4. God intercedes in the affairs of human beings and communicates directly with them on occasion. Well, how about prayer? Prayer works. I've read it on a t-shirt, and I've seen it on a billboard. I love the church signs that post those witty sayings. They're everywhere now. This building is prayer conditioned, is a good one. Sign broken, message inside, is one of my favorites. I especially like that one because every time I drive by that little country church, it's locked up tight and there's no one there. I reckon the message is a secret. There have been many studies performed attempting to test the power of prayer. They've all been massive failures when the goal was to test the effectiveness of prayer as it relates to healing. Some of the results that I've reviewed tend to show that directed prayer has the opposite effect on those that are made aware of the fact that they are the intended beneficiaries of those prayers. Obviously, there is probably a study that shows some type of correlation that benefits any argument you want to make, but whether or not those studies are reliable is questionable as well. Like they say, there's a study for every position and an expert to exclaim the efficacy of that study for the right price. We still must measure the credibility of that expert and the reliability of the study. I would bet the lease on my heavenly mansion 
that if there was a scientifically sound study that showed results concluding that directed prayer worked, and if that study could withstand the scrutiny of peer review such that it could be accepted because of the reliably derived results, every science prize available, including the Nobel, would be awarded to that individual or individuals responsible for the study. There are numerous Christian universities. There are numerous religious universities around the world. No convincing studies? Hmm. Weird. Wishes. I wish for such a lot of things that never will come true. And yet I want them all so much. I think they might, don't you? I want a little kitty cat that's soft and tame and sweet. And every day I watch and hope I'll find one in the street. But Nursey says, come walk along. Don't stand and stare like that. I'm only looking hard and hard to try to find my cat. And then I want a blue balloon that tries to fly away. I thought if I wished hard enough that it would come someday. One time when I was in the park, I knew that it would be beside the big old clock at home, awaiting there for me. And soon as we got home again, I hurried through the hall and looked beside the big old clock. It wasn't there at all. I think I'll never wish again. But then, what shall I do? The wishes are a lot of fun, although they don't come true. By Sarah Teasdale, 1915. If you were willing to blindly believe the men and women, prophets I suppose, who declare they know some secret that God imparted to them, and I mean even your pastor, then I feel I should inform you that God warned me that you're an idiot, or at the very least gullible as hell, if you aren't a little cynical or skeptical of someone, including me, who makes that claim. Who are you going to believe? Them or me? You may not believe that God speaks to me. Why? My great-grandpa, my grandpa, and my uncle were all called to the Protestant pulpit to preach. I was very close to my uncle, who, as an evangelical minister, was a great speaker and could move you to tears when singing, and with whom I shared a birthday. I was also very close to my grandpa, who was an amazing and emotional Southern Baptist preacher and songwriter. My meemaw, whom I miss dearly, should probably be put up for canonization in the Catholic Church. Growing up, I heard more than one person call her St. Virginia. Maybe God does speak to me. Maybe my inner monologue is really God and me, not me and me. I hope not. It gets rather intense sometimes, and God sure does have a filthy mouth. Also, depending on the conversation, I don't find him to possess any more wisdom than I do. Funny how that works, huh? If I ever tell you that God led me someplace or another, or has moved me or commanded me to do this or that thing, please sit me down and call the doctor because I'm having a stroke. 
If the only proof of God's communication with humans is evidence from the Bible or ancient stories of miracles and intercession, then I have to say the prosecution fails on this element. If an attempt to argue that there is proof or evidence because individuals feel the presence of God or, God forbid, hear his voice, then I have to say bullshit. I don't hear his voice or feel his presence, and I suppose I just can't accept the argument that some other humans have special powers that I don't possess. I don't mean human talents that are beyond mine because I freely admit to being a witness to some of those. I mean supernatural powers, like communicating with the dead or with divine beings on a personal level. I don't believe in psychics that claim to know the future. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. I don't believe in fairies. I don't believe in elves. I don't believe in seances. I don't believe in voodoo. I don't believe in any of the other gods that were invented by humans throughout history. I'm guessing most of you are with me at this point, but I continue. I don't believe in your God, if you have one, either. And finally, I don't believe you or anyone else communicates directly with an immortal micromanager. More importantly, there is zero proof. And as a juror, you must find for the non-believers regarding this element. Until next time, love you, mean it. Thank you.